Shalom and a very good afternoon, church. One more time. Shalom and a very good afternoon. I am so believing that God is always good in our life. Can we say amen? And we give thanks to the Lord for His amazing love and grace and mercy for the year 2018. And I pray that in year 2019, His favor is abundance in our life. Amen. And we give thanks to the Lord as well for the month of January, the month where we are going to learn about the vision of our church, the vision about the new birth. And I know that last week, Pastor Nico has shared about new birth, about newborn, that you and I, as we are born again, we know that we are the child of God. Can we say amen? And as a child of God, you and I are entitled of the blessing that God has prepared for all His children. And Pastor Nico, last week he said that as a child of God, as we are born again, we are blessed so that we can walk in the Spirit. We can walk in the light. We can walk by faith. And we can also walk in love. Can we say amen? So that's what we have learned last week. So this week, I just want to share a little bit about what is born again so that we can strengthen our foundation in understanding about this vision for 2019. The vision of new birth, the vision of newborn, that we understand what it means about newborn and how it impacts our life, your life and my life. So as we are embarking our journey in 2019, we want to walk as a newborn in God. Amen? Come, let's look at, let's look at the Word of God in John chapter 3, verse 1. Last week, Pastor Nico shared about John chapter 3 as well. But today we are going to study a little bit more deeper about John chapter 3. You know, in our life, you must have heard about action and reaction. You must have heard about what you saw is what you reap. It means whatever decision that you and I are making now, there is an implication to it. There is an impact in our life. So there is a short impact in our life. For example, if we have a student who decides not to do his homework and the short impact in his life, the next morning when he goes to school, he will get the scolding from the teacher as well as his parent. So there's the short impact. If he repents and he do his homework again, everything will be back to normal. But there's also a long impact if we were to make a wrong decision in our life. If the same student, instead of repenting, and he decided not to continue with his study, there will be a longer impact in his life. His future, in the future, he may not be able to find a better job because of the level of education. But there's one more impact which is the most important in our life is when we need to make a decision and the impact will be eternal in our life. The decision not only impacting our life on earth, but it does impact our life after death. There is an eternal impact that we have to make a decision on our life. And that is exactly what happened to a man called Nicodemus. When he had a short conversation with Jesus. Now, we are going to learn about Nicodemus and the conversation between him and Jesus. And the Word of God says, there is a man, a Pharisee. His name is Nicodemus. He is also the ruler of the Jew. Now, before we 
we study more detail about the next verses, we need to understand the background. When this verse is saying there was a man, a Pharisee, and also the ruler of the Jew. Now, during Bible times, during Jesus' time, there were about four groups of religious people in the community. The first one is called Saduki. The second one is called the Pharisees. The third one is called the elders. And the fourth one is called the scribe. And all of these groups, you must have heard about it in the Bible. The Sadukis are mainly the elite of the community. They are the wealthy one. They are also religious, but they are more leaning towards to the politics rather than in the religion side. And they prefer to build a good relationship with the Roman Empire at that time because they want to maintain the stability in the community. And their belief, yes, they do believe in the, in the law, the written law, they do believe, but they don't really believe in the life after death. So there is the Sadduki. On the other hand, we also have another group, the Pharisee. The Pharisee are mainly the middle class group of religion people. They are closer to the community because they are very religious and not so to the politics. So they are more to the religion side. And they are the teacher. They are the teacher to the people, teaching them how to go to heaven. Take note of this. Because the Pharisees, they believe life after death. They believe in resurrection as well. So they are mainly the teacher, teaching the people how to enter to heaven how to go to the kingdom of God. And they are also believed in both written as well as oral law of Moses at that time. And of course, the third group of people, we know they are the elders. Basically, they are the elders of each of the tribes of Israel. And the last but not least, there is a group called the scribe. The scribe are mainly the scholars. They are the ones who analyze about the law. They are, they, are, they are more leaning towards the Pharisee side. So we have these four groups, the Sadduki, the Pharisee, we have the elders, as well as the scribe. Now out of all these four groups, uh, religious group, they will choose one of them to be the high priest. And on top of the high priest, they will have the Sanhedrin council. So these are some of the, the chart. This is the chart in the community during that time. We have the, the highest council, the Sanhedrin, where they have 70 members of the priest plus the high priest. So in the Sanhedrin, they have 71 members. And they are the one who will decide the law, the written law, and the interpretation of the law. And they are the only council who can judge the king. And this is also the council that judged Jesus at that time. So from this chart, now if we go back to John chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man, a Pharisee, also a ruler of the Jew. Now we understand the background of Nicodemus. So he was a Pharisee who believed the kingdom of God, who believed the heaven. He was also the Pharisee who teach the people how to enter to the kingdom of God. And he was also the ruler of the Jew. It means he was in the member of the Sanhedrin. So he knew the word of God especially the Torah, the law, deep inside. So we understand now the background of Nicodemus. Come, let's move on with verse 2. John chapter 3, verse 2. He came to Jesus by night 
and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do this miracle which you do unless God is with him. So he came to Jesus. When he came to Jesus and he said, Lord, I saw the miracle that you did. Now, prelude to this, Jesus did a lot of miracle during the Passover period. When Jesus did the miracle, the Pharisees were there, I believe. Nicodemus was there as well. So he saw the miracle that he did, and many came to believe Jesus. And I'm sure Nicodemus is one of the Pharisee which was touched by God. And he came to see Jesus in the evening, either because Jesus was very busy in the morning and daytime to serve the people, or Nicodemus didn't want others to see that he was talking to Jesus. And you remember, Nicodemus was mentioned only three times in the Bible. The first one is when he talked to Jesus, a short conversation with him in this John chapter 3. The second one, he was the one who defended Jesus when, when the council wanted to arrest Jesus. He was also the one, if you remember, he was the one with Joseph Arimathea, the one who collected Jesus' body and buried him in Joseph's tomb. Remember that? So it's the same person. Nicodemus, he was one of the, uh, the Pharisees who was touched by Jesus' ministry. And I believe he may have made a decision to believe in God at that time. So that is Nicodemus. If we continue, let's go back in verse 2, John chapter 3, verse 2. You notice when he visited Jesus, he said, Good evening, Rabbi. I saw the miracle that you have done. And I believe no one could have done those miracles unless God was with him. It was a compliment to Jesus. But look at how Jesus replied him in verse 3. Jesus answered him and said to him, Truly, truly, I said to you, Truly, truly, I said to you, Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, if you look at between verse 2 and verse 3, there is a little bit of awkward reply from Jesus. Because Nicodemus came to him and complimented Jesus, greeting Jesus, greeting Rabbi, and complimented Jesus. But the way how Jesus replied him is a little bit awkward. Because Jesus straight away answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he will never see the kingdom of God. But when we understand just now the background of Nicodemus, that he was a Pharisee, he believed in the kingdom of God, he was the one who teach the people how to enter to the kingdom of God. Now we know. His background, he was the teacher, teaching the community how to enter to the kingdom of God. Jesus came also teaching the right way how to enter to the kingdom of God. And Jesus knew his teaching was wrong. That Jesus didn't waste any more time. And he just go and explain to him the right way to enter to the kingdom of God. He wasted no time and he said, the teaching that you did, the teaching that you are doing, teaching the people how to enter to the kingdom of God was wrong. The right way is that you must be born again. The only way for us to enter to the kingdom of God is to be born again. Come, let's continue in verse 4. John chapter 3, verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He, caught, he was caught off guard. Because 
He wanted to greet Jesus. He wanted to compliment Jesus. But Jesus straight away went straight to the point. Because Jesus knew there's no more time. This is the most precious time. I just want to explain to him the right way of bringing people to go to the heaven. So, in John chapter 3, verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In verse 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh, which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The Spirit breathes where He desires and you hear His voice, but you do not know where He comes and where He goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Do you notice this short conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus? From these few verses, there's one key word that is so clear. It's being said by Jesus many times. In this short conversation, Jesus highlighted to him the key word to be born again. And it was so important that Jesus has to mention to him four times from this short conversation. Four times Jesus mentioned to him, Unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Unless a man born of water and the Spirit, you can't enter to the kingdom of God. Unless the man is born of the Spirit, you can't see the kingdom of God. It was so important that Jesus just wanted to imprint this keyword in his mind, in Nicodemus' mind that he must be born again. Born again, born again, and born again. That is how important is this born again keyword. So that they can teach the people, the community, the right way to enter to the kingdom of God. And this is the keyword that we are going to study this afternoon. When Jesus highlighted so many times, emphasizing it to uh, Nicodemus the importance of born again. What does this mean? Born again. And how does it impact our life? And I pray that as we study the Word of God about born again, let us reflect <clears throat> and we make the right decision in 2019 so that all of us can receive the blessing that God has in store for us. Can we say amen? Come, let's look at the definition of the born again in John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Truly I say to you, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So the definition of born again is born of water and born of the Spirit. We are going to study about these two keywords, born of water and born of Spirit. Born of water. When I was reading about the, born, uh, the meaning of born of water, I was, I was reading the commentaries, I was listening to the teaching about born of water. Apparently, after I read all those uh, teaching material, I found there are two understanding about born of water. There's one group that believe when Jesus said, you must be born of water, there is one group that believe Jesus was talking about the amniotic fluid from the mother's womb. So there's this group believe that Jesus was talking about the physical birth, that the water is the amniotic fluid from the mother's womb. And there's another group who believe that when Jesus talked about uh, born of water, 
Jesus was talking about the spiritual birth and he was talking about water baptism. So when I read those two teachings, I said, hmm, we really need to understand and give the right understanding about this born of water means. The last thing we want if we believe that born of water, it means the physical birth of a man, then we may decide we don't want to be baptized in water. So this afternoon, we are going to discuss and see what does it really mean when Jesus said born of water. Now, if we look at water itself, water has been one of the ritual elements in the religion history. For centuries, even today, if you have read in the newspaper within this week, in the Straight Time newspaper, there's one festival in India. They call it Festival Kum, K-H-U-M-B. Festival Kum is, uh, is a festival from 15th of January until around March. And during this period, millions Millions of the Hindus, the Indian, they will come to this river called River Ganges or River Ganga. They will come to the river and they will dip into the water because they believe by bearing in the river of Ganges, they, their sin will be washed away. So it's happening today. It is happening now. This is the festival period. Millions of people will come to that river just to bathe and they believe as they bathe into the water, their sin will be washed away. And the same thing throughout the history, water has been used by the Babylonian, by the Greeks, by the Egyptian, and even by the Jews themselves. The Jews have been, uh, had been believing that water is one of the important elements in their belief. If we look at in the book of Exodus, in the book of Exodus, one day as Moses was talking to God, God told Moses, Moses, please inform the people of Israel that I will come to the Mount Sinai to meet up with them. But before that, ask them to go and wash their garment. Washing garment with water, it means they will sanctify themselves. It means since Moses' time, water has been an element in their ritual belief. And the meaning is washing away their sin. Sanctify them so that they can come and see God. If you remember, there's also a man called Naaman. Naaman, Naaman is the chief of army in Syria. He, he contracted with a disease, leprosy. And he went to see prophet Elisa. And when he saw Prophet Elisa, Prophet Elisa told him that you have to go to Jordan River and you have to dip yourself into the river for seven times. And reluctantly, he did. He went to Jordan River and he bathed in there and dipped himself for seven times. And miraculously, his leprosy was healed. The Word of God says, He went down and dipped seven times in Jordan River, and according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again. He really experienced a physical regeneration of the leprosy uh, impact in his life. Because leprosy, the flesh could fall off. So when he dipped into the water seven times, according to the man of God, he was healed. And he even experienced the regeneration in his life. And the Word of God says he was clean. It means he was healed totally. In fact, in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish culture, when a Gentile 
wanted to be converted into Judaism, there are three things that they got to do. The first thing, they have to go through a circumcision for the man. The second thing that they have to do, they have to sacrifice in the temple of God. And the third one that they must do is they have to be baptized, what they call mikhev. Mikhev is the ritual when a Gentile wanted to become a Jew, uh, a Jew, they have to dip themselves and bathe, which symbolizes that their sin was washed away, that they are a new person, a new born again, and they can come and join the Judaism. So it means in the Old Testament, they already practice the water baptism so-called. And then, the last thing, if we look at the prophecy from prophet Ezekiel, let's look at the Word of God in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 24. The prophecy says, For I will take you from among the nations and gather you out of all lands and will gather you in your own land, the Israelite, and I will sprinkle clean waters on you and you shall be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and your idol. So we saw that in the Old Testament, the element of water in their religion and in their belief. So it means Nicodemus, as the teacher, remember his background as a Pharisee, as the teacher of the law himself, he should have known what Jesus was talking about when he, Jesus said, you must be born of water. Now we understand clearly. You must be born of water. Jesus not talking about the physical uh, birth of a person, but he was talking about the spiritual birth of a man. Can we say amen? And furthermore, during the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter 1, those were the time when John the Baptist came. And when John the Baptist came, in the book of Mark chapter 1 verse 4, John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming that the baptism of repentance is for the remission of sin. He said that, that John came, the baptism of water that he's doing is for the remission, forgiveness of sin. It's just very near conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, just in John chapter 1. It happened already. The baptism of John was so uh, amazing at that time. It was such a big news. Even when it happened in Galilee, this news spread all the way to Jerusalem. That in Jerusalem, they sent the priests to go into Galilee and ask John, Who are you actually? Are you the Messiah? And John answered them, No, I'm not the Messiah, but I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, said, as prophet Isaiah said. But one thing that I want to highlight is when in John chapter 1, verse 24, and they who were sent were from Pharisees. So it means the Pharisee, they also knew about what happened with the water baptism as John introduced to them. And as Jesus himself being baptized in the water by John the Baptist. So, I am, I am so convinced, I am in so believing that when Jesus was talking about born of water, he was referring to the spiritual birth of a man. And he was referring to the water baptism. Amen? He was referring to the water baptism. 
And water baptism is so important that it is one of the key to enter to the kingdom of God. Can we say amen? So it means your water baptism and my water baptism, we are, we have the key to enter to the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, what does it mean in our life when we are baptized in the water? What it does mean, if we look at, if we look at the physical baby who was just born, a newborn baby, a newborn baby, they don't have past. They only have the future. Correct? The newborn baby, there's no one come to the newborn baby and carrying the baby and said, Ah, last week, you lied to your mom. You have sinned because you cheated your friend. I think the baby will just look at the person and say, Duh, I just want to drink my milk. I don't even know what you're talking about. Because a newborn baby, he has no past. He only has the future. The same thing happened when you and I were baptized in the water and we are born again. So that it is true as what Apostle Paul mentioned in Rome chapter 6, verse 3. The Word of God says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into union with the Messiah Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, through baptism, we were buried with Him into His death, so that just as Messiah was raised from the death by the Father's glory, we too, the Word of God says, we too may live an entirely new life. Can we say amen? That you and I will have a new life, just like the new baby who doesn't have the past and who only has the future. And the Word of God again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So that if anyone in Christ, that one is a new creation, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So the same thing, in your water baptism, in my water baptism, you and I got a new life. The Word of God says entirely new life. So as we are embarking our life journey in 2019, if we are being reminded by the devil about our past, you and I have our past, each one of us has our past. There were decisions that we made wrongly against God's will. There were sin that we have done before. But as we were baptized in the water, it's a symbol of our death, our sin together with Jesus. As Jesus was raised up, you and I are raised up as a new creation in Christ, a newborn baby which only has the future. If we are entering and walking into 2019 and the devil always reminding us about our past and we are still carrying our baggages, we can't run to our future. It's too heavy for us to carry all our sins, our past. But this afternoon, as we understand about the water baptism, since the Old Testament until the New Testament is all talking about washing away our sin, talking about a new start of our life, a newborn of our life. And we want to believe in that word, believe in that promise. Walking into 2019, we want to walk freely. We want to run together with God having a future, future full of hope in Him. Future full of hope in Him. And the water baptism is so important for Jesus that just before 
just before he ascended to heaven, he gave one great commandment. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, he reminded his disciple, remember, as you go, teach the nation, teach them about the Word of God and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is so important before he went up, he would say, Chandra, remember, teaching them the right way about baptism and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit so that all of us receive the key to enter to the kingdom of God. Can we say amen? And as we're running in the 2019, all those baggages, we have to shake them off. We have to let them go so that we can run as a new creation. Amen? So that is the first point that we have learned about born of water. We understand now that it is talking about the spiritual birth through water baptism. If anybody come to you to say that, mm, I don't think so. Jesus may be talking about the physical birth. He was talking about the amniotic fluid of the mother's womb. Then all of us can answer and reply with the, with the right answer that we believe the water baptism is for us to be born again and we receive the first key to enter the kingdom of God. Now, let's move on to the second key, born of the Spirit. We thank God for the water baptism. We thank God for the new start. But you and I, physically, we are still walking on earth. We have not, and we are not walking on water yet. So we are still walking on the earth. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, mean that once we are water baptized, the devil will leave us alone. On the contrary, the devil will even chase us even more because they want to see the newborn babies fall. They want to see the newborn baby disappointed, depressed, and finally leave Jesus. And the temptation of the world, every day is getting worse and worse. The sin of the temptation is getting greater and greater in our life. The problem with the sin is, the problem with the sin the sin will entice us and bring us further to where we want to go. Actually, we didn't want to go that far. But the sin, the temptation, it will just attract us to go further that, than we wanted to go. The problem with the sin, it will hold us longer than we want to stay. Actually, we didn't want to stay that long. But because the sin enticed us that we are, we are held back so long. Do you remember, you remember about Abraham and Lot? Abraham, when he was called by God from his hometown, he was 75 years old. God told him, Abraham, I want you to go to a place where I will show you later. And he believed. And he went with God together with his nephew, Lot. And they were blessed by God. They were so blessed that the place was not enough for both of them. And Abram said to Lot, Lot, we don't want our people to fight each other. Why don't you choose one place? If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the north, I will go to the south. And when Lot saw that, he looked around and he decided to stay in the valley of Jordan. Now, let's look at what happened to Lot. When Lot started his life, the Word of God says, he pitched his tents toward Sodom. We know what happened in Sodom. So what happened is that Lord, the first thing that he did, 
he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then, in Genesis chapter 14, verse 12, now we found that, hang on, Lord is now live in Sodom. He was no longer pitching his tent outside Sodom, facing towards Sodom. Now, he is inside the Sodom. And then if we look at in Genesis chapter 19, verse 12, when God told Abraham about his plan to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham was 99 years old. So in the time of 75 to 99, about 24 years, Lot, who was pitching his tent towards Sodom, now he is inside Sodom on the 24th years, when God sent his angel to save Lot and his family, the word of God says that the Lord of God says, whatever you have in the city, bring them out of this place. What is this place? It is inside the Sodom. Sometimes the attraction of the world is so attractive, but that be, uh, without we realizing it, we are slowly but surely, we are dragged further than where we want to go. We are held longer than we want to stay. That is the sin. You know, in, in the month of October 2013, Singapore, Singapore was, uh, was shocked with one company, you can imagine. There's one Canadian company, and the Canadian company's name is called uh, Ashley Madison. It was in October 2014, this company from Canada, they want to set up a new company in Singapore. And it was so controversial that it was discussed in the parliament of Singapore. And the ministry decided to reject this company from registering their company in Singapore. And that company is called Ashley Medicine. Ashley Medicine is basically a dating company. They basically do the matchmaking between a male and a female. There's nothing wrong with that. But as we understand more deeper, we found out that Ashley Medicine, the members, eligible to be the members, only the married person. So in order to be the members of Ashley Medicine, you must be married. And they will match made between the married male over here with the married female. And their tagline, the marketing line, life is short, have an affair. That is the world today. Life is short, have an affair. And the objective of the company is basically to destroy the family. That's it. To destroy the family. That is the company called Ashley Medicine. That was in October 2014. In July 2015, this company's data was hacked. The whole members... Globally, they said they have 54 million members. 54 million members, the data was hacked and leaked out to the internet. So you can imagine, every member's name were in the internet. And in 2015, in August 2015, July it was leaked out, in, October, uh, in August 2015, we read the news, a pastor in U.S., a seminary professor in U.S., he just killed himself because his name was in the Ashley Medicine data. He was one of the members. So that is the world attraction. And after that, in 2016, there was another pastor who shot his wife, killed his wife, called 911 and said that his wife killed herself. 
But when the police investigated, he himself actually sought his wife. And when they investigated further, the pastor is the member of Ashley Madison. The whole family destroyed. Maybe he just wanted to try, but the sin is so attractive that he dragged him further than he wanted to go. Held him longer than he wanted to stay. That is the sin. That is the attraction of the world. That even though he was a pastor, he was pulled by the attraction of the world. So what can we do? Doesn't mean after we were baptized, that's it. We can walk on the water. That is not the case. The reality, we are still walking on earth. The reality, we are still tempted by all the temptation of the world. The reality, they are pastors also fell from grace. And the same kind of temptation you and I are facing as well. Amen. So what do we have to do? Now, let's look at in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. Is it enough for us to, to be just born of water, washing away our sin? And what does it mean by uh, born of the Spirit? Do we need that actually? Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart, says the Lord. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit, says the Lord, within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgment. And not only that we walk, not only that we keep, but the spirit of the Lord will make us do the Word of God. Can we say amen? And all of this, you notice there is a word, I will, I will, and I will, says the Lord. It is not because of our efforts, but it is because of the Spirit of the Lord. I will put my Spirit in you so that you can walk, you can keep, and you can do my word, says the Lord. I know it is easier said than done in just uh, obeying God's word. But the only way for us to be able to walk till the final day and meeting up with Jesus is when we are in the Spirit of God. Walking together with Him. And the fulfillment of that prophecy, it happened in John chapter 14, verse 16, when Jesus said to the disciple, I really have to go back to my father's house. Because if I don't go back, I cannot ask for the comforter to come to you. But if I were to go back to my father's house, I will ask the comforter to be with you. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot, uh, cannot receive because it doesn't see him nor know him, but you know him. And for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Amen. So that fulfillment, it happens in your life and in my life. That the Holy Spirit, it is not only just in the world, but the Holy Spirit is in us that empower us to be able to do the Word of God till the end. Not only after we were baptized, but we, after we were baptized, we need to be born of the Spirit so that we can walk in the Spirit. We can walk together with Him and He empower us to do the Word of God. So that it is true what the Word of God says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. And as what Pastor Nico shared with us last week, that for all who are led by God's Spirit, you and I are God's children. Can we say amen? 
So if you and I let uh, our life is, is led by the Holy Spirit, we can walk together and do the Word of God and His commandment till the end of our life. Because without the Holy Spirit, you and I just like walking in the, not sure whether you, you read about this bird box challenge. Have you seen this? Bird box challenge is a very, it's a very popular movie and it's, it's viral now that people are walking with their eyes closed. They were driving with their eyes closed. They were running with the children because they want to follow this movie. They were just close their eyes and they were just running, driving, just to try themselves. That is when we are walking with our spiritual eyes being closed. We are just like walking in the dark without the Holy Spirit. But what we want is to walk together with the Holy Spirit. We want our life to be led by the Holy Spirit so that we will walk in the Word of God. That as we walk in the Word of God, the Word of God will light up our spiritual path towards the kingdom of God. Amen? That with the Holy Spirit, we are going to the kingdom of God. Without the Holy Spirit, we are really just doing like the bird box challenge. But with the Holy Spirit, our spiritual eyes will be opened and our path will be lightened up. Because the function, one of the role of the Holy Spirit is to teach us about His Word. Is to remind us about whatever Jesus has told us. That is His role. Is to remind you and I that we shall walk in the Spirit, remind you about all the Word of God. In John chapter 14, verse 26, But the Helper, Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. So that's the role of the Holy Spirit. We need Him. Without Him, we can't. Only He can help us. If we have the bad habit, whether it is a smoking, before being baptized, we may be a smoker. Before being baptized, we may like to watch pornography. After being baptized, our sin were forgiven, washed away. But the, the urge of having that smoke, we have to remember today's lesson. And we got to say, Lord, I know I cannot because truly our flesh is weak. I can't, but the Holy Spirit can. Every time you got an urge to smoke, I can't, the Holy Spirit can. Every time you got the, the entertainment in front of you, I can't, Lord, but the Holy Spirit can. When you walk together with the Holy Spirit, when you are led by the Holy Spirit, you and I, we will be able to be the overcomer. Can we say amen? Because the one who is born again, they overcome the world. Amen? Now, in John chapter 3, verse 9, I just want to close the last verse. John, uh, John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. No one who has been born of God practices sin because God's seed abides in him. God's spirit abides in him. Indeed, he cannot go on sinning because he has been born from God. Every time we want to sin, you notice that the Holy Spirit is knocking your door and say, Chandra, don't do it. Chandra, don't watch. Chandra, don't do this. Don't make that kind of decision. If we want to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and obey 
the voice of the Holy Spirit, you and I will have the keys. Two keys. Born of water and born of the Spirit. And we shall enter into the kingdom of God. Can we say amen? And I pray that in 2019, you and I, we shall walk together as what Pastor Nico said. We shall walk in the Spirit together with Him. Together with the Holy Spirit, walk in the Spirit. We shall walk in the light because the Word of God is the lamb unto our feet. And we shall walk by faith because we believe in Him. And we shall walk in love together with God. Amen. Come, let's, uh, let's bow our head together and let's pray. That is how important is water baptism, born of water, washing away our sin, born again with entirely new life, says the Lord. And most importantly is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will help us, will guide us so that we can walk, we can keep, and we can do God's commandment. And especially our life be pleasing to God's heart. I know this afternoon is not by coincidence that as I was preparing for the Word of God, the Spirit only urging me to share about born of water and born of Spirit. This afternoon, as we understand about born of water and born of Spirit, if any one of us has not even born of water, has not even been baptized before, I pray that today as we learn the importance of water baptism, that Jesus Himself, even before He ascended to heaven, He wanted to remind His disciples, go and teach the nation and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Spirit. It is such an important key to the kingdom of God as we bow our head and close our eyes, if any one of us has never been baptized before, would you mind to raise up your hand? As a sign that you say, Lord, I want to believe in your word. I trust you. And I want to go to the kingdom of God together with you. Lord, help me out. I'm not going to ask you to come forward I just want to encourage you and pray with you so that you have the conviction in your life that in 2009, you shall make the right decision. Father, we ask for your amazing love to touch every one of us, touch our heart. Lord, search our heart and, and convict us even more. If we have not been baptized before, Lord, hold our hand, remind us the importance of water baptism as the key to the kingdom of God. And this afternoon, Father God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to come. Come, O Holy Spirit. Come and touch every one of us. Come and speak to us. Because you are the teacher. You are reminder of the Word of God in our life. And you are the only one that we need. We can't, but you can, O Lord. You can help us to walk you can help us to keep 
and you can help us to do the Word of God and anoint every one of us as we are going up from this place. Seal your Word in our heart, reminding us all the time by having born again, we are your children of God. And with the children of God, Lord, we are, we are eligible to enjoy all your blessing that you have in store for all of us. Father God, we thank you for this precious time. And I pray that your blessing be upon your people. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray. Hallelujah. And all of us who are blessed, together we say, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.